Welcome to See Student Theology, a podcast where our goal is to make Christianity accessible to the average person. If you had a C average through middle school, high school, or college, then this is the theology podcast for you. Please take a moment and leave us a review wherever you're listening from, and be sure to keep up with us on our Facebook page. All right, well, we are back for our second episode, second part, talking about the Baptist faith and message 2000. Um, and we, you know what? We had some good feedback from the last one. So it was one of, it was one of our most listened to episodes at CC Student Theology. Yeah. Yeah, we broke into double digits. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say thank you both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was probably your wife, my wife. Yeah. The two of us listened to it a couple times each. Right, yeah. On, I tried different devices. So right. I would hit that. <laughs> so it shows that a PC listened, uh, right, an iPhone yeah. listened, yeah. a couple yeah. of things like that. And then my other iPhone listened, you know. Yeah, your <laughs> sketchy work phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, man. That's awesome. Yeah, no, so it was good. Um, I think this is important what we're doing, having these conversations. Uh, just a reminder, you know, for those listening that. Uh, our goal is not to go as deep as possible with these conversations. There's there's so much more that you can mine out of a confession like the Baptist faith and message. Our goal is just to just to talk about it, right? To get it familiar uh, for us and for uh, the people at our church, really, and uh, kind of get the ball rolling in these conversations and and start to open up. Hopefully, what what I would like to see is that these conversations actually uh, stir up more questions. Does that make sense? Like in the listeners? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what? Our goal is to get the conversation going, get the questions going, and then in the show notes of these episodes, we're going to link uh, more resources where you can go deeper on these topics. And so there'll be some books, definitely some podcasts, and I recommend right now uh, the Baptist 21 podcast is doing a whole series on confessions, which has been really cool. They've had some really great guests like uh, Dr. Albert Muller uh, from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's on there talking about the Baptist faith and message message. They've talked about the history of it. Um, so they're going a little bit more in-depth, which isn't our goal with this series, but I would recommend that everyone go and listen to those episodes. So they will be linked in the show notes along uh, along with some of the uh, books that I would recommend talking about the doctrine of God, which is where we're at today. So we're in part number two. Um, and I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to go ahead and read it, the section that we're going to be covering, and we've broken it into two parts. So one is is about God. I'm going to read that paragraph first. We'll have a long conversation about that. And then at the end, I'm going to read the second part of this section. Um, There's really like our response to that truth about God. Does that sound good? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. Part number two, the Baptist faith and message 2000. There is one and only one living and true God. He is an intelligent, spiritual, personal being, the creator, redeemer, preserver, and ruler of the universe. God is infinite in holiness and all, all other perfections, God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and his perfect knowledge extends to all things, past, present, and future, including the future decisions of his free creatures. All right, so that's our, our section for today and for this episode. Um, anything immediately jump out at you, Luke, that you're like, I, don't wanna, I want to know more about that. That's interesting word choice. Yeah, I just, I think to put in there that he is all powerful and all knowing mm-hmm. right and his perfect knowledge extends to all things right that uh it's just that can be super comforting right? yeah uh or it can be super scary to those who don't know god right 
prostitutes who don't understand uh, what we talked about. Uh, but that jumps out at me pretty much like including future decisions of his free creatures. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good stuff. I mean, this is this sentence right here. God is all powerful and all knowing. Um, those two things are both necessary for us to find God comforting. Right. So uh, if he's all knowing but not all powerful, then he can then he can care about what's going on with us, but he can't change what's going on with us or the opposite right if he's if he's all powerful but not all knowing then like he may not care right i mean he could be powerful but he's not going to be personal because he doesn't know his creation Uh, so both of those things are really important for us to find comfort in god and to know that he's good um one of the things that jumped out at me was that uh, he is spiritual which is something that has been confessed in um, in creeds and statements of faith, pretty much throughout history, that's been really important to confess that uh, that God is, uh, in His essence, spiritual and not physical. Um, and this is going to set Him apart from a lot of other um, r- religions, a lot of other belief systems. For example, uh, the Mormon idea of God is that God started off as a man and ascended to deity, and we confess that no, He has eternally always existed the way that he is, he's unchanging and that he has always been spirit. So you would go to somewhere like John chapter four and Jesus is having a discussion with the Samaritan woman and he's kind of calling her out on some sin, right? In a loving way as Jesus would. And she tries to kind of distract from the conversation. She says, uh, Hey, you know, that's, that's neat about my sin, but Hey, let me ask you this theological question to distract you. And she says, where is it that we're supposed to worship? Is it over there or over there? And obviously I'm paraphrasing, right? right. And, uh, and, and Jesus says, uh, what's important is that you worship in spirit and in truth, right? For God is spirit. And so there's a very clear statement about what God is in that moment coming from what we believe is God himself, right? right? Yeah. And then he took on flesh, which is a conversation for another episode. But uh, the essence of God is spirit, and that's really important because Without that, he would have to go through some kind of changing process, like the Mormon God, which means that he was not always um, ultimate, right? right? Like in his attributes, in his uh, perfections, as the BFM 2000 says. Um, it also says personal creator, right? So uh, this is important, those two words together, personal and creator. So personal means that he's right here with us, right? That he's, um, that he's uh, right here relationally close to us that he is in all places at all times he's personal he's involved with his creation um and he's creator which means he's all he's also way out there so there's no corner of the universe that lacks god's presence and yet he is with me right now and concerned about me in a loving fatherly way yeah about us personally about us personally Yeah. Yeah. yeah um and so those things are those things are important uh, the this goes back to Genesis chapter one, so the very beginning, right? Like the way the Bible starts, right. uh, it says, "In the beginning, God," and you can stop right there. Right. Like the Bible declares yeah. that that at the beginning, right? And, and you think about it, um, he's saying at the beginning, like before the world is created, before the universe is created, before anything is God, right? right? Eternally existent, uncreated. There is no origin story for God. And then it continues on, so in the beginning, God, and then it says, created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, he existed, and then he created, right. which is, there's a lot, a lot of theology uh, packed into that 
statement, but anything that is uncreated is God, and he's the only thing in that category. Right, yeah. Right, everything was created after his existence. So important stuff uh, coming out of those sentences. Um, so this idea of perfections, have you ever heard that language before? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> God is infinite in his holiness and all other perfections. Yeah. Um, no, so I mean, just reading that and then what I see out of it, right? Yeah. Is that all of his other perfections, just all of the things that he's done, he's created. Uh, and then it goes into, you know, the son and the spirit of their perfection, right, of Jesus. Uh, so that's what I gather from that. Right. Um, yeah. No, that's good. Um, the, the word, the idea of calling his attributes perfections is kind of a historical thing. So you could go back to like the Puritans, for example, and you'll find them talking not not so much about God's attributes. They do that. Um, but a lot of times they'll use the word perfections. Right. And because what they're trying to do is they're trying to communicate that um, he's not made of a, made up of a bunch of parts that each and everything that God is, he is to its uttermost, right? So when it comes to love, uh, he's 100% love. Right. When it comes to grace, mercy, he's 100% those things. He He is them as much as is possible, Perfect. right? So yeah, he's perfect each in each and every way. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to think about God in percentages, right? We don't want to think, well, he's 10% wrath, 90% love. Right. Or he's 80 percent grace and 20 percent mercy. No, he's 100 percent of each one of those things. There's there's no divisions within God. Right. Does that uh, make sense? Yeah. No, it does. OK. Yeah. yeah so there's, there's nothing dividing him. There's no parts of him. Um, and in these perfections, we'll call them perfections, attributes. Right. However we want to talk about them. Um, there's two different kinds. So there's. There's kinds that uh, he shares with us, that he gave us as his creation, as his image bearers, the ability um, to share with him. So by the power of the Holy Spirit, right, we are able to be gracious to a degree, not to the uttermost, right? right? And that's where we're yeah. different. Right. But we're able to share in that to some degree. So we're able to be gracious. There's a part of, you know, we're able to, in some limited capacity, capacity be loving, right? right? So we have some of these attributes that we share with God. And then there's another category of attributes that we don't share with God. So the confession here, the statement of faith says um, that God is all powerful and all knowing, right? Those are each uh, perfections or attributes. Right. And we do not share. Not at all. Not <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> Nowhere close. Why do you think that he would give us the ability to partake in some of those? Uh, I think it's, his ability to give us the the will to do these things and 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 an obedience right to mm-hmm. his grace right like that that we we are given a uh, all of his attributes perfections from him it's every attribute he gives us is perfect right unconditional love right and that we should take that out and try to to be like that, to do that, because we love him and he loves us, right? Right. And we need to take that out there. So I think that's why he gives us that ability uh, so that people can then see God 
through us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. I think that this gets to, maybe this is for another episode in this series, but I think that some of this, when it comes to the attributes, the and I won't call them perfections as we share them, right? So we get to partake in his attributes, but not in a perfect way. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that some of that is really what is meant by the image of God also. Um, I don't think that it has so much to do with, <laughs> with the right. way we look, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Because what we just said is that God is spirit and that he doesn't have a physical body. Right. And so uh, what is it that is the image of God? And I think it's some of this, right. that we get to partake in some limited sense in, in who he is, yeah. right? And so we, we resemble our father to a degree yep. in these ways, in a unique way that the rest of creation doesn't, right? right? So, um, you know, my dog Hank, like he's he doesn't have the attribute of grace. He loves one hundred percent. That's not a that's not a bad argument. Yeah, yeah. he might be a hundred percent loving, but <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, but no. these these things uh, they do separate us, right? right. Oh, and yeah. so they're distinct, and I and I think that they play into what it means to be image bearers, um, image bearers of God. And so yeah, no, um, that's good. Yeah, and so I think that's important. We need to remember there's this thing called the uh, creature-creator distinction. And so um, we we never ascend to deity, right? right. We, we won't do that. There's this line that we don't cross. Anything right. that is created is not God, and therefore God is in a category of his own, like we said earlier. Right. And that, that's important to remember. But in some small sense, we represent him or resemble him, right, on the earth, being um, ambassadors, you might say, on the earth. And so... Uh, like I said, there's no division in God. And then this kind of gets us down to the the second paragraph, which I'll go ahead and read for us. It says, To him we owe the highest love, reverence, and obedience. The eternal, triune God reveals himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit with distinct personal attributes, but without division of nature, essence, or being. And so... We covered a few of the things that are in there, talking about how God is without division, right? Um, he's without division of uh, of person. Uh, the Trinity is is mentioned there, right? The triune God reveals himself to be his Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, we decided that we're going to wait until we cover each one of the members of the Trinity to then discuss the Trinity, so we might circle back around to that statement um, after a few more episodes. But, Luke, when you think about I titled that section our response to who God is in my notes, right? When you think about our response, you think about who God is. Um, how long have you been on the worship team here at our church? Uh, it's probably been about six years. Six years. Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, I'm sure you've done that other places, right? I have. Yeah. So how long would you say you've been on a like an active worship team in one way or another? Oh, man. Um, probably 15 plus years. Okay. That's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> so 15 years um, of, of singing God's praise, helping to lead other people in worship. When you are on stage, right, and or let's say when you're practicing even, how does the doctrine of who God is play into not only the way that you worship, but the way that you desire to lead other people into worship? Yeah, no, so um, it's something that's that's really heavy, right? And it's and it's a good heavy, right? It's yeah. It's not a bad heavy. It's like, a, you know, a heavy joy. Right. Um, but it's something that I want to do, uh, and I know I'm not perfect, 
Right. We talked about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I know I'm not perfect, but I want to do it to the best of my ability for God. Um, Just to just that whole joyful noise, right, to the Lord, like to, to fall and worship him. Right. And I think by doing that yet again, that is also my ability to to show others and to lead others into worship. Right, so that that they see, not just, you know, walking around on stage or something like that, or right. with my head down or something. I, but there is just this, there is this, this love that I have to do that for God. Right. right. Yeah. No, it's good. I, I think that there is a, maybe a general. When I say the church, I don't mean specifically our church because I think our church actually doesn't suffer too much from this problem, but across the kind of evangelical landscape, I'll say that there's maybe a bit of uh, flippancy when it comes to the worship of God on Sunday mornings and maybe a little bit, a lack of reverence. And I think that a part of that comes from we've lost really what the BFM is saying, right? About who God is. Right. That he is all knowing, that he is all powerful, right? That should he will, that you just simply dissolve into atoms, right? right? Yeah. Like, then it happens, right? right? Should he will it? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. it says that he spoke the universe. That's what Genesis says, that he spoke the everything into creation by his word. Yeah. Things were created. Absolutely. Right? And And I think, you know, earlier today I was thinking about when they came to get Jesus and they're like, this girl's dying. And I think it was her father, the centurion. And and Jesus doesn't even have to go. Yeah, the servant. Yeah, was it, was it her his daughter or a servant? Okay. I can't remember. But one of them, right? And there's yeah. more than one healing that right, may have yeah. happened this way. Yeah. But there's, a, there's at least one where uh, Jesus does not even have to go to the person that is dead. And he just looks at the person who's concerned and says, don't worry, she's fine. Right, yeah. Right, because he willed it. Yeah, we're we're actually talking about that in children's church now. Um a couple of those like calming the storm. Yeah. With the word. Right. How how amazing is that? Right. Like I right. And, and I think sometimes we just read that and we just read over it like and he calmed the storm and he asked, Why was you guys worried? you know? And and he calmed the storm. He he healed the sick. He Right spoke the world into existence right yeah <laughs> he hung the stars in the sky with just a word right <laughs> like right. it's just amazing yeah right? and i don't know how but you can't get goosebumps thinking about that right yeah absolutely i mean so this the second part of the section we're covering today from the bfm it says to him we owe the highest love reverence which is what we're talking about right, right yeah. this reverence for who he is and obedience so it's not just this recognition of like he is so far beyond us that he's transcendent, right? That's what it means to be right. way out there. Um, but that he's also imminent. And so that means that he's personal. personal yeah. um, and so that requires obedience. So he desires a relationship with us in order for us to be in right relationship with God. There's there's a set of standards, right? God is holy. Um, and so uh, for him to be in right relationship with his creation, then his creation that's been tainted by sin because of Adam and Eve um, has to be uh, sanctified by the Holy Spirit and brought back in, right, to that path of, of obedience to him. And so 
it's not just when we come on Sunday mornings should we have the reverence that leads to obedience, right? right? It's the rest of the week. It's, yep. it's um, yes, I can come and get filled up on Sunday morning to then go back out into the world. But if Sunday morning I have this spiritual high, but then go back out into the world and live however I want or, you know, according to the world standards or if I'm not fighting sin and killing sin, then I'm not sure, like if that's you listening, then I'm not sure that you've actually understood who God is. Right. If you're able to live in that disconnect, yeah. right? And, and and all of us do to some degree. Oh, absolutely. Right, but as we recognize where the disconnects are in our life, then we put them to death and we reconcile them back to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, yeah. Right, and so there has to be that constant uh, love for God, which leads to reverence, which leads to obedience to the triune God. And it's like the, the story uh, that you was talking about with the Samaritan woman. Yeah. Uh, you know, the end of that, that... He says, God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Right. Yeah. And that's not just Sunday. Right. That's the other 300 plus days out there. Right. Because that's not even the majority of the year the Sundays aren't, right? Right. So, so we need to to keep that high going for six, seven days a week. Right. All the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's a good thing to bring up is that worship, the word, um, has become shorthand for music on Sundays. Right. But it's so much more than that. Yeah. It's so much more than that. I mean, it's <coughs> it's a life lived in love, reverence, and obedience to the triune God who reveals himself <laughs> as right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. I mean, the, there's a reason that this uh, confession has been written the way that it's written because there's a flow to it. There's an order to these things. Right. And so, um, you know, throughout... Uh, church history throughout christian history there's been an order to understanding things and so first we have to understand something of god and we can't understand him exhaustively because he's eternal right. and because his attributes are infinite but we can what we can understand we can understand it truly right, right? the amount that we can understand and so we have to get there we have to know something true of god and then we can start to rightly understand ourselves to a degree yeah right so when we capture when our hearts and minds really begin to contemplate the holiness of God, right? The all the, that He's all powerful, that He's all knowing, that He's eternal, right? All of these things. When we start to dwell on those, um, we start to get a sense of who we are and how small we are, right? Right, and how and and the depth of our sin and our need for grace. And so, there's a reason that the doctrine of God is right at the beginning of this confession, right after the scriptures, right? Right, so. We have to believe that the scriptures are um, God-breathed. And then what do they reveal to us about God and ourselves? Right. And yep. from there, we can lead into reverence and obedience. And love. Right. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because the, the key that I keep seeing in that section is, is personal. Yeah. Right? Like, it's personal. He's personal with us. It's not, it's not God out there. It's God in here with us, right? Like, God in our that's who's with us always right so we need to to take that with us always yeah right? not just you know when we come sundays like we talked about to worship that's you know we're doing that personally but also corporately but throughout the week we don't have the other you know 60 100 whatever church members with us constantly right. every day right so it's like to to help build us up in that moment so we need to learn that it is personal 
So there's a personal, also a personal spiritual development in that, right? To where you worship, and it doesn't have to involve just music. It's just, it's worshiping with God. Uh, right. Yeah, and no, the, the personal idea is really important and really um, specific to Christianity, right? To, yeah. write, <laughs> to write Christianity, uh, that there is uh, this God who did not just create, wind up the clock, and walk away. Walk away. Right. Yeah. right? He, he's not playing. So when I was a kid, I don't know if anyone is going to remember this, uh, there was this game called Zoo Tycoon. Okay. Do you remember that game? Zoo Tycoon. I heard about it, but I've never played it. So when I was a child, I became addicted to this game. Right. And it was on a PC, probably like Windows 95, yeah. right? Something like that. And basically, you built a zoo, right? And, uh, and then I would buy expansion packs, right. right? And so then I would have like dinosaurs in my zoo and stuff. Yeah. And I would build these zoos. And, and then I started getting bored with the game after hours upon hours of building zoos. And I would build the most amazing zoos, right? And then I would yeah. get, get bored with it. And so I started experimenting with what really I could get away with in, in this game. <laughs> and so what I would do is I'd block the entrance to the zoo. And then I would turn my entire map into basically like an open safari, Still right? And I would range. dump a bunch of animals out there and yeah. just see what happened. Yeah. But I didn't care. Right. about yeah. those animals yeah. right you know i had no emotional attachment it was not personal right. so it in the illustration like i was creating right right and i was putting a world together and walking away right and <laughs> and chaos <laughs> ensued yeah. right and then there was times where you know i was even like an evil creator because right. you know with the dinosaur expansion pack i i would uh make a zoo and get all kinds of people in there and then i would block the door and let the dinosaurs out and they would eat all the people right <laughs> like because <laughs> i like jurassic park as a movie oh yeah yeah, yeah fair and enough. so i was living it out <laughs> So that is not at all <laughs> how God is, right? And so we, we can look at the world and we're like, hey, things are messed up. Um, and the argument that some people have is like, well, if God really cared, if he really was personal, then bad things wouldn't happen, right? And the, the response to that is that he cared. And by their own free choosing, man rebelled against God. And he cared so much that then he came and gave his own life to reconcile what others had broken because he is personal and right. cares to that degree. He could have just scrapped it like I did my zoo tycoon. Right, yeah. Right? Yeah. And started over. Yeah, that would have been terrible. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. He could have let the dinosaurs out. <laughs> and so I think that this first section of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 um, lays so much groundwork, not only for um, our theology that we'll build on for the rest of this series but also for our doxology, which is a fancy word for worship or devotion, yeah. right? That we, w- our theology should always feed our worship. And so as we're talking about these things, as you, the listener, are, are growing and studying and reading your Bibles, just be conscious to make sure that that this isn't just like an intellectual exercise for you, that this isn't, I'm just going to be smarter uh, and smarter so that when, you know, those uh, pesky Jehovah's Witnesses come and knock on my door, I can be smarter than them and make them look dumb. That's not the point of any of this, this right? Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, is, it is, but, but, but any time we study who God is, if it's not for the purpose of greater devotion, love, and worship, reverence, obedience, right. then we've missed something. So we've missed it, yeah. Right? Every other reason, there can be other good reasons, but they're all secondary. Right? Right? Um, and so I think I would just want to leave them with that. You got any any final thoughts? No, no, I thought that was pretty good. Okay, awesome. Well, that is the second uh, section of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000, and be watching for the next one in the next couple of weeks. All right, sounds good. All right, thanks.
Thanks for listening to this episode of C-Student Theology. Be sure to check the show notes for more resources about this episode and leave us a review where possible and send in any questions or suggestions you might have for future episodes. Please share this podcast with friends and family and we will see you all next time.